the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along. It's a glorious Tuesday afternoon. Kath, it's uh, good to uh, be with you. How are things in your life? Well, you know, a little rainy, a little depressive, what? but not depressive? too bad. No, it's just fall. It's just fall in Pittsburgh. Well, it's I mean, it's, it's very gray and pouring down rain. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, look, the next three days, though, are like summer is back with us. Are they not? It's going to be wonderful. It's going to yeah. be 80 degrees on almost 80 degrees on Thursday and Friday. Mm-hmm. Get out there and get a little head start on the raking of the leaves. I absolutely mm-hmm. cannot wait. Very nice. You know what I can't wait for? Hmm. Kathy Evans, I cannot wait for the top four at four. Hey, John. Well, then I want to launch right in with number one. Please do. For Tuesday, October 20th. The Supreme Court will allow Pennsylvania to count mailed-in ballots received up to three days after the November 3rd election, Mm. rejecting a Republican plea in the presidential battleground state of here. All right. I say here. The justice is divided 4-4 yesterday, John, so that upholds a state Supreme Court ruling that required county election officials to receive and count mailed-in ballots that arrive as long as they are postmarked on November 3rd. I don't know what I think of that decision, but no one asked us. That's fine. Vote early, vote often is what I say. (laughs) Number two, John. The World Series is set. The L.A. Dodgers meeting the Tampa Bay Rays tonight for game run. Game one. Not what I want. All of a sudden, my lips didn't work. Home run. The first World Series to be held on neutral ground. The Dodgers and Rays will play out the series at the newly opened Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas, with just a small fraction of fans allowed in. Now, the Dodgers, if you're keeping track, are appearing in their third World Series in four years. That's wrong. Yeah. But they keep losing. Good. Right? Because they haven't won in 32 years, which Very seems nice. a blink compared to those of us in Pittsburgh, but still. Go Tampa Bay. Go the Rays, Tampa meanwhile, Bay. are in just their second World Series and looking for their first Very one. Very nice. And the rise of the small markets. Number three. Right. The Justice Department filed an antitrust lawsuit today against Google. It is the most aggressive U.S. legal challenge to a company's dominance in the tech sector in more than 20 years. Mm. Google being scrutinized over its status as gatekeeper of the Internet, blocking any other competitor's attempts to provide a competitive search engine. I like it. Very good. And number four. Pennsylvania Supreme Court justices today heard oral arguments in a potentially precedent-setting case involving sexual abuse by Catholic clergy. According to the PG, Renee Rice of Altoona asserts that the Diocese of Altoona, Johnstown, conspired to cover up abuse by priests. And it was not until the 2016 statewide grand jury report that she learned of, quote, a massive systemic conspiracy of cover-up to allow children to be abused Mm. 
repeatedly. All right. Clean house. All right. Yeah. Let and that is today's top four at four. Very nice. That's some heavy duty stuff there. I mean, other than the World Series, there's a lot going on. Okay. But I got something else because it's What's a that? bonus day. Okay. You know, so top some, four days, some days you're satisfied with the top four at four. Mm-hmm. And then some days there's like something extra that sneaks in and it kind of becomes the fifth thing right let me guess it concerns covid yes it does of course Actually, it does because it all does. things come back to covid okay but listen this is a really interesting thing a fascinating report on the pg website called stricken the 1918 flu pandemic in western pennsylvania mm-hmm. now this is a really long report and it has fabulous photographs with it and a lot of good information and i learned a bunch of things from it the number one thing being how hard hit pittsburgh was in 19 1918. Pittsburgh, much more difficult place to live during that pandemic than New York City. Really? Yes. Wonder why? Because uh, close proximity of the blue right. collar workers, shipyard, you know, building ships. And yeah, and there and all was that. a, you know, uh, soldiers were returning from World War One. There were there was just a lot of things that were going on at the time. And mm-hmm. um, I don't even know if to this day they understand why Pittsburgh really? was so hard hit, but it was. And just to read the details of it, it'll make you feel like you're in good company. Let's put it that way. Um, because were what people we're fighting about masks. Yeah. Listen, people were fighting about everything. Can I share a couple of things? With yeah. You? Yeah. Please. Okay. Do. Listen, uh, on November 2nd of 1918, Pittsburgh's mayor, Edward V. Babcock was reeling after a lockdown to try to stem the tide of the flu. Okay. Guess how long the lockdown was. How long? One month. What? The city was shut down for a month? The city was shut down for only a month. And after a month, he issued a proclamation saying that city officials would no longer enforce the closings. This is what he said, quote, this ban has thrown over the community a depression and pall that seriously retards the recovery to normal conditions. Wow. He said that small businesses in Pittsburgh needed to go back to work. And that other big cities had already lifted their flu bans. Okay, now wait, because just like today, in response, the Pennsylvania Acting Health Commissioner, Benjamin Franklin Royer, disagreed. And he said, a number of reckless wholesale and retail liquor dealers and some small business interests are putting, wait for it, dollars above human life. That sound familiar? Yeah, it does. He said, listen, business can well stand some additional financial loss and must stand it if we are to continue getting volunteer help for the sick. Is it not exactly the fight we're having now? Yes, it is. So good. A hundred years plus really doesn't change anything in human nature. We are who we are. And you're hating the other side and you're making them sound horrible. And how dare you? And you don't care about business and you don't care about life. And I wonder how the church responded in 1918. What was the church? Well, there were a lot of churches that were closed in 1918 as well. So it's not like this is the first time that there have been restrictions or cautions on people who were worshiping. It's exactly the way it was in 1918. I'm telling you, you have to look at this piece. They did an excellent job with PG on it. Very nice. Okay. Better days are ahead. Uh, Christ is on the throne. We'll take a quick break. Come back. When we do return, Greg Clugston will join us. Greg is the SRN News White House correspondent. He's been on a whirlwind journey with the president these last few days. We'll give us the update about that. Stick around. The Ride Home with Johnny Cathy here on Word FM. 101.5 WORD. 
think about a conversation you've had recently with friends or family members about politics or current events. Here's the question. Is there a Christian way to have those conversations? And what is that Christian way? Politics, Jesus, the gospel, government? We'll talk more about that next time on Family Life Today. Tomorrow morning at 9 on 101.5 Word FM, W-O-R-D. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary prepares students for ministry in the way of Jesus with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and Doctor of Ministry degree programs and certificates. Perfect for students with full-time employment pursuing a seminary education. Learn more at pts.edu. If you're an employer, a business owner, if you have 5 to 100 employees, listen up. The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, administrative duties, and liability than ever. I'm Kathy Emmons. Your health plan's a big part of that cost. Another year, another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in network. Isn't it time for a change? Stop the insanity. Call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept and reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30 percent. It doesn't matter when your renewal is. Marley can help today. Call 724-884-1496. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. Or go to MarleyFG.com. If you're like me, there's been days this year where you felt pretty discouraged. I'm not normally a Davy Downer, but at times it's felt like tough, sad, or scary stuff everywhere I turn. And as we near this election, no matter your point of view, more heavy days are probably ahead. But then yesterday I heard a different kind of story about my niece who spent the entire summer babysitting and saving her money, only to then say out of the blue, Mom, I want to donate my summer savings. She had learned about an organization that delivered toys and Bibles to less fortunate kids. And I heard a story about a little local cafe whose business was not doing well, but decided anyways to deliver dozens of free lunches to nearby seniors struggling with isolation. At our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we challenged ourselves this week to open our eyes to those who inspire us and to try to do some inspiring ourselves. Maybe joining with us might also encourage you. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. About one in three women will have an abortion by age 45. And nearly half of abortions are among women 24 years old or younger. This is Dr. David Stevens of the Christian Medical Association. Deciding to have an abortion has got to be the most difficult decision a woman may ever make in her lifetime. But nothing can justify the intentional taking of innocent life. Talk with your doctor about life-saving options. Two weeks from today, Americans will go to the polls and elect their next president of the United States. What is it like to be on the campaign trail? Our next guest has been with President Trump since Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, a total of at least seven rallies in four states. Greg Clugston from SRN News, the White House correspondent, joins us. Greg, those frequent flyer miles on Air Force One have racked up well, haven't they? <laughs> Hi, John. Hi, Kathy. Yeah, can't. too bad I can't uh, earn and cash in those miles, but uh, <laughs> we certainly logged them. Okay, so seven rallies in four states. You have been all over the place, Greg. Um, why don't you just start off by giving us your impressions? Yeah, it's interesting, you know, this close to an election to be up close uh, with any candidate to see how they operate, to see their energy level, 
just to observe, uh, in, you know, what's happening at this critical stage of an election. Um, and this election is so unique in so many ways, primarily because of, as we've talked about over the last number of weeks, um, the, you know, what coronavirus and the pandemic, how that has reshaped people's idea about the candidates, about policies, and then how that's going to play out in terms of the mechanics of actually voting, whether it's mail-in voting, whether people will um, feel safe to go outside and stand in line and vote in person. So that, that really is an unknown with this modern election in terms of how we might want to compare or contrast it with previous elections. But there's no doubt that Donald Trump has uh, a ton of energy. He's always been on the go. He's always held a very robust schedule um, in terms of just, you know, being up early in the morning and working um, late. Whether he's working or not, he's, he's up late. <laughs> and we just know that he's a night owl and doesn't need a lot of sleep at night. But this, this concludes really a week of, of, of public events and travel after he had been sidelined by the COVID illness. And so we've asked him a couple of times. In fact, I asked him yesterday on the tarmac in Phoenix when he was talking to reporters there. I said, how's your physical stamina after a week out on the campaign trail and three days straight with this, this swing that we were on? And he said he feels great. He says he has no lingering effects. He's receiving no more treatment um, after he was, uh, you know, recuperating back at the White House and after being in the hospital. So he is raring to go, and he expects to keep up the pace and, in fact, increase it between now and the election two weeks from today. Well, it's pretty amazing to think that uh, the campaign is moving forward. The president just, uh, as you said, uh, suffering through COVID-19. So, Greg, what's that look like? I mean, was it traditionally the president flying into a hangar at a city, meeting a large crowd, uh, then sticking around for an hour or two or so, and then moving forward? Yeah, pretty much, John. Yeah, these were airport rallies. Uh, the first two on Saturday were in the upper Midwest. We made stops late afternoon, early evening in Muskegon, Michigan. That's in the western part of Michigan, just west of, of the Grand Rapids area, right along Lake Michigan. And then we uh, flew across the, uh, the lake over to Janesville, Wisconsin, just north of the Illinois border. And so obviously Michigan and Wisconsin are critical states among uh, a handful of battlegrounds, including Pennsylvania, that the president won in 2016, and he wants to keep in his win column. Uh, there's not much hanging around after the event. I mean, uh, we, we, we fly into the event, uh, into the city, uh, into the airport. We get off the plane. The press takes its place in the uh, designated press area. The president gets introduced a few minutes later, and then he held, on average, 90-minute uh, speeches at these rallies. I mean, he wasn't like just giving a 45-minute talk. He was going a full wow. 90 minutes. And then as soon as he's done, actually a few minutes before he's done, we are packing up and walking back to the plane, and then he gets back on, and then we go and we stop in Wisconsin and do it all over again. And then we were on to Nevada, and then we made a quick fundraising stop in California, and then two rallies in Arizona yesterday before flying home last night. Greg Clugston with us, SRN News White House correspondent, talking about traveling with the president over the last week or so. Uh, Greg, how about a, a comparison to 2016? Um, differences in the in the tenor of the communication, president to crowd, um, in in the press corps. What did you see? Yeah, a couple things on that, Kathy. First of all, I did. Um, the president was uh, very talkative with us in the press pool yesterday, the traveling reporters on Air Force One. We talked to him three different times, uh, twice on 
the uh, the tarmac at the Phoenix airport. As we were coming and going between rallies, we were at at the Phoenix airport twice, and so he talked to us. Uh, under the wing of Air Force One a couple of times, and then later off the record on on the plane ride back to uh, to Washington D.C. And at one of the one of the points, I asked him how his physical stamina was, um, and so that's when he was telling us he feels great and that he's he's thinking about you know maybe uh, ramping up to three to five rallies a day here in the last few weeks uh, after the uh, after this Thursday's debate is finished so <laughs> so we were doing a couple of uh, events a day and he's thinking of kicking it up into three four and maybe five as we get closer so he certainly is 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 hoping to move forward what the one thing that was really interesting in terms of um, his speeches, and when when you travel like this two or three days in a row and have these events back to back to back, um, you know we are in the press corps essentially hearing the same speech over and over. Although there are a few wrinkles at each stop, you know he'll tailor it a little bit to the to the different state that we're in and and that kind of a thing. But one thing that he's been doing over the last week or ten days is um, saying out loud. Um, you know, I, I, I can't lose to Joe Biden. He's the worst candidate in history. What does that tell you if uh, if I'm running neck and neck? I mean, he's saying this out loud to the to the voters, to his supporters, saying, I, I really can't be tied with this guy or running in second place, can I? What does that mean if you're not going to go out and vote for me? So he's almost having this internal discussion out loud with his supporters. But at the same time, then he will turn right around and voice confidence that he thinks the poll numbers are being suppressed and that the pollsters and that the media uh, generally is underestimating the level of support that he is um, that he really has. And I asked him um, at another one of the gaggles that we had with him yesterday if he thinks that the 2020 race is shaping up to be a repeat of 2016. And that's exactly what he believes. Mm. And that there have been some stories reported in the last few days that Democrats are concerned that that could be the case as well, that maybe there is going to be a softer turnout or there's softer support for Biden that there is than there is for, for, for Donald Trump. And at this point, that's what the Trump campaign is hoping for. Interesting. So, Greg, just as a personal note, as you travel with the president and you see the excitement at each campaign, you know, you feel the emotion. Is it hard to report the story? Because that's essentially what you're doing. You are there witnessing and then speaking and writing about the facts. Or are you dispassionate about this? I mean, is it, you know, there you are, you're you're witnessing something. Do you get caught up in the events emotionally? I wouldn't say I get caught up in them emotionally. It is certainly invigorating to be, you know, on these on these trips. And you know, they're they're long days. There are grueling aspects to, to this. You know, we're looking at sixteen-hour days um, and all that kind of thing. And so there and there are logistical things that we have to deal with. Um, and technical issues come up, and you know all those kinds of things. You know, just uh, our work site just happens to be uh, you know, a different location a couple of times each day. But you know, I, I did I did talk. You know, our press work area outside at these events is you know is, is located right next to the you know the the fenced off crowd, and so. You know, we try to talk to a couple of, you know, a handful of the people in the crowd just to get a sense of, you know, how long they were waiting in line or how long they've been waiting outside, for, you know, before the rally began and just asking them their impressions of the race and the president. So you're, you're really getting, you know, up close personal uh, flavor of, of what's happening on the ground in these states. Um, but, you know, when, when you're listening to the same speech over and over, 
you're you're listening for any different statements the president makes, and he'll he'll maybe make some news, or he'll he'll say something differently, or add something brand new, and that's what you pick up on. And and um, he has been very hard on on Biden, to be honest, these last few days in terms of his personal attacks and describing Joe Biden and his family as criminal and corrupt because he feels that not only did the Obama administration improperly, you know, look into, if not spy, on the Trump campaign back in 2016, the whole Hunter Biden story and selling perhaps access to the vice presidency when Joe Biden was vice president. You know, all those things, the president was hitting Biden and the Biden campaign and family very hard on that. And uh, so he's hoping that that attack line will resonate with supporters and, and motivate his, his people to get out and vote. Greg Cluxton with us, SRN News White House correspondent. Wow. Okay, Greg. So um, talk about the debate, which is coming up on Thursday evening in Nashville. Now, the first debate, you know, you were present for. I I felt like I've been kicked in the gut 30 seconds in, let alone, you know, after the 90. Um, Then the second one didn't happen. Then they had separate town halls. What do we expect in this coming one? Right, and I'll be heading uh, down to Nashville tomorrow for Thursday's okay. debate. Yeah, so we'll be, we'll be covering that, uh, SRN News. Um, yeah, Kathy, it's going to be a little different. You may be heard that last night the, the, the debate commission announced that there's going to be a slight rule change, meaning that the microphones are going to be turned off uh, mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, Biden and, and Trump when each of, each of the other is giving it the opening two-minute response to a brand new topic. So there are going to be six different segments of the debate, as we understand. And so uh, those first two minutes are supposed to be uninterrupted responses from each candidate. And that's when the president was doing, for example, and it was it happened by from by both of them. But Trump was was uh, leading the effort of uh, interruptions in that first debate. So his mic's going to be off when Biden talks uh, for those two minutes and vice versa. So that's going to be a change. Now, the the Trump campaign put out a statement yesterday. They were not very happy with this because they feel that it's a biased effort to protect uh, Joe Biden. (laughs) So but it it may give a a different feel initially. Now, when they have the back and forth after those two minute statements are are complete, um, you know, it can it can be a free for all like we maybe saw two weeks ago. It'll be really interesting, though, to see. If if the president takes a different approach to debating Joe Biden this time, given what a lot of people saw, you know, just like how you just expressed it, Kathy, of, you know, saying you felt like you were getting, you know, knocked around just as much as uh, the people on the stage were while being a viewer at home. Yeah. Well, it's hard to believe we're two weeks away. I mean, we've been talking about this election since 2016, and here we are finally, Greg. Um, in some ways, there's got to be relief, but there's also great uh, anticipation as well. Well, there is. You know, I think a lot, a lot of the world looks at the United States and wonders, how can you have presidential campaigns that essentially run close to two years or in some cases longer, but, you know, in terms of uh, certainly with primaries, you know, beginning back in late January, early February, that part of the season, you know, lasts almost full strength, a full year. Um, so it is a long stretch for not only the, the politicians, the candidates, the parties, the political parties, but for the American people, the public, uh, the news media. I mean, it, it affects it affects all, all of these parties um, generally across the board. So, yes, we are uh, in one sense coming up to the end and you know you 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 got 
people running on adrenaline, especially those who are involved with the campaigns, covering the campaigns, and activists who are uh, certainly grassroots people um, out trying to get the vote out, that kind of a thing. So, yes, uh, I guess the next big question, you guys, then, is um, are we going to know – uh, nope. Late on election night or early the next morning, who the winner is? Uh, um, I bet we don't. And, right? and yeah, if, we... It, unless it's unless it's truly a landslide victory by either of them, and the polls don't necessarily <laughs> indicate that's going to happen, uh, we might not have a definitive answer. But I think a lot of people are hoping that there will be a definitive answer one way or the other for the sake of the country. Well, it'll be fascinating. My, my guess is, I mean, this is just me, you know, just a guess. It's kind of like the hanging Chad. We, we might be days or a week or more that goes by. That's just well, especially because the, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court justices today, Greg. I don't know if you saw this story, but um, they split down the middle four four, and so the lower court ruling stands, and Pennsylvania doesn't have to submit their numbers uh, until three days after the November third election. That's right. And so you may have a number of states that won't be counting ballots um, or finalizing the ballot counting until several days after Election Day. So, yes, that's that's a, another reason why um, a lot of people have been um, putting out potential scenarios of what it may look like in that you know limbo period following the election before knowing exactly who the winner is. Right. Well, it's a must-see TV <laughs> two weeks from today, Greg, that's for sure. And, of course, always your excellent reporting with SRN News. We greatly appreciate uh, your insight as you follow the president along these uh, crucial times. Glad to do it. Thanks for having me on. Our great pleasure. Greg Clugston, as I said, Salem Radio Network News, SRN News. Information about Greg and SRN News, wordfm.com. Let's say you've decided to build a bicycle from scratch. Sounds like an impossible project for my skills. But let's say you've got the skills and I offer you an advantage, a special tool that would help you build the bike faster while saving you legitimate money. My guess is you'd say, bring it on. If you wouldn't, well, then this commercial isn't going to make much sense. My name is Ryan. I'm from United Faith Mortgage, and we believe we have an advantageous tool for you. Our mortgage team is lucky to have a direct lender advantage. Our company is set up to use its own money and make its own lending decisions within its own walls. And often, this advantage allows us to get your refinance or new home loan done faster and get you a better rate, which saves you monthly and lifelong money. Rates are historically low. Now is the time to see how our special tool might work for you. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Millville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to AnimalistConsumerAccess.org. Corporate Animalist number 1335. Rack Animalist number 65233. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. Tom has been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. I was really starting to worry. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Joe Biden. Faith is what has gotten me through difficult times in my life. I lost my wife and daughter when my son had stage four glioblastoma. as a matter of months. Personally for me, faith, it's all about hope and purpose and strength. And for me, my religion is just an enormous sense of solace. I go to Mass and I say the rosary. I find it to be incredibly comforting. Kierkegaard said, faith sees best in the dark. 
Think of all the people you know who are going through horrible things and they get up every morning and they put one foot in front of the other. I marvel at people to absorb hurt and just get back up. And I'm absolutely, thoroughly convinced and optimistic about the prospects of this country. There is nothing, there is nothing we can do. I'm Joe Biden, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Biden for president. Hi, I'm Miss America 2020 Camille Schreier, and I'm asking you to join me in support of the DEA's Take Back Day on Saturday, October 24th. Keep them safe, clean them out, take them back. Visit DEATakeback.com. That's DEATakeback.com. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers, and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at Radio.com. Tonight, mainly cloudy, low 57. Warmer tomorrow with clouds and breaks of sun. A shower in places in the afternoon, high 75. Partly cloudy tomorrow night, low 57. Thursday, very warm with a mix of clouds and sunshine, high 77. Friday, partly sunny, remaining warm, high Friday, 76. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. local company, a company based here out of the city of Pittsburgh called Astrobotic has opened a new 47,000 square foot facility in Manchester, not too, too far from Heinz Field and PNC Park. What's significant about this company is that they are an outreach of Carnegie Mellon University's Robotic Institute. And they've been around since 2007. But this company has received more than $300 million in grants from NASA. And it is on track now to land the first commercial lander on the moon and the first American spacecraft on the moon since the Apollo missions of the 1960s and 70s. It is not Houston we have a problem. It is Pittsburgh we just landed on the moon. Wow. As the CEO and president of Astrobotics, John Thornton, during a tour of the new facility yesterday. I mean, this is really big news. And um, $300 million plus is just the tip of the iceberg. John Thornton says that... um, that really that uh, this company, Astrobiotics, is the tip of the spear for exploration into the uh, Earth's heavens. And they're hiring. They have 100 employees, which is a massive growth growth from the 11 people company that was operating in just April of last year. So to remind the world of the goal, Astrobotics plans to invest a lander on the roof of the building that will be captured from images of the blimps that troll around Heinz Field during the uh, NFL game. Well, that's a good idea PR-wise, isn't it? Yep. That's so smart. Yeah, 47,000 square foot. Uh, it used to be, the building used to be a bakery over on the north side, uh. not far from Manchester Craftsman's Guild. Okay, I know it well. Yeah, so fantastic. Congratulations to Astrobotics. And uh, Pittsburgh will be on the moon. Uh, our fingerprints will be all over that. It's excellent. Listen, John, you think that you can like get a foothold in there and get a little job for yourself? Like just something small. Because <laughs> yeah. you're so geeked. You're such a space person. I mean, love it. I just love it so much. It's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and it's a. It, it is. I mean, kudos and just a, a terrific victory for Pittsburgh. Gosh, yep. it's wonderful. 
Okay, speaking of uh, terrific victories, we certainly need one in our fight against COVID. In just a couple of minutes, Dr. Rick Zimmerman will join us. He is an infectious disease epidemiologist. He'll give us an update on COVID in Western Pennsylvania and beyond. Stick around. It's the Ride Home on Word FM. WORD. You're listening now, so we know you're a fan of the radio station. I am a big fan. And we want you to know that we appreciate you. I can be your number one fan. That's why we've developed the Word FM Fan Club. It's free to join, and once you do, you can take part in exclusive surveys and contests. Yeah, I love contests. Special offers. Great giveaways. Discounts. Freebies. I'd like to win one of these contests. Become a member today. Go to wordfm.com slash fan club and sign up. We're big fans. Hello, this is Jack Graham, pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church in Dallas and voice of PowerPoint Radio. Let me encourage you to be prepared to vote in this upcoming election. Before the Lord, it is our right and our responsibility to take part in the democratic process. The stakes are far too high to sit back and let others choose the course for our nation's future. Register, plan ahead, and please vote. T-Mobile for Business knows saving time and money is important for your business. That's why we're introducing Microsoft 365 on us, now included in our best business plans. With Office apps, Microsoft Teams, cloud storage, and more, Microsoft 365 on us gives you the tools you need to run your business. Stop by a T-Mobile store today. Qualifying plan required. Contact us to activate one license per line, max two per account. Third-party terms apply. See T-Mobile.com for plan details. Are you in high school and thinking about your future or know someone who is? Consider Geneva College. Geneva is a Christian college that prepares students for meaningful service in the world. Geneva has over 145 majors and programs, 19 varsity sports, 100 study abroad programs, and lots of club activities. Geneva has scholarships and grants to make it affordable, too. Find out more yourself. You can visit Geneva in person or online. To find out more, go to geneva.edu slash visit. That's geneva.edu slash visit. The radical left has a crazy scheme to pack the court by adding additional liberal judges. The Supreme Court has had nine seats for over 150 years. But Joe Biden refuses to tell the American people where he stands. Well, sir, don't the voters deserve to know? No, they don't. That's Joe Biden saying you don't deserve to know his position on court packing. Well, sir, don't the voters deserve to know? No, they don't. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are the most liberal ticket in history. Their court packing scheme would cement their radical agenda. Taxpayer funded abortion, open borders, censorship. After 47 years in Washington, Biden is too arrogant to be honest with the American people. Well, sir, don't the voters deserve to know? No, they don't. And he's too weak to stand up to the radical left. I'm Donald Trump, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Donald J. Trump for President, Inc. When will a vaccine for COVID-19 be available? Or is it just cool to just kind of hang out and wait for so-called herd immunity to happen? Well, Dr. Rick Zimmerman is back with us. Dr. Zimmerman is a COVID-19 researcher. He is also has decades plus experience as an infectious disease epidemiologist here to answer our questions on COVID. Dr. Zimmerman, welcome back to the show. Well, thanks. And at least at this point in the history, people know what I do. 
Right. <laughs> exactly. Isn't because years ago, I'm sure people were always saying, I mean, up until this year, people were saying, what's an epidemiologist? Well, that's well known. Well, we uh, have two vaccines that are moving along. They are out of the technology called messenger RNA. This includes the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine. So both of those are moving along. We should have enough safety information by mid-November to know about the Pfizer vaccine, according to the press releases and information that I've seen. Okay, so that's good news. But we recognize, of course, that it's still even a longer process. It's not like the vaccine is going to be available for each one of us like December 1. You're right. There's several things. We don't know if there will be enough data on protection because there you have to have enough events occur. And so we'll have, we'll learn, I think, within mid to late November what the degree of protection is. Uh, and then we will know the safety, and then we can see what the plan is. They're already making the vaccine. So if it is safe and if it works, two ifs, then could see release in December. Wow. And that would be prioritized to healthcare workers and other essential personnel. So, Dr. Zimmerman, I read, I think it was uh, yesterday, that there are volunteers who are standing by willingly uh, being inoculated with a COVID-19 virus as part of the trials. Can you talk about that and, and how that works? Sure. And that is, I don't know that that's happening in this country, but in the UK. And there is a group of scientists who think it's okay ethically because of the great pandemic need to go ahead and vaccinate people to protect them and then to check to see how well it works by exposing or infecting those vaccinees with the virus. Mm-hmm. And it's much quicker to do that than it is to let people have natural uh, exposure in their communities as part of trials that are going on in this country. Yeah, there's also a greater risk associated with that, of course. Oh, certainly. You're directly giving people uh, something that has killed uh, over 200,000 Americans this year. So (laughs) you're giving a potentially lethal infection. So there has to be a lot of safeguards Um, I think I would feel more comfortable in some ways if this was happening when we had a little more evidence of what works. We have some evidence now. We know steroids work. We know remdesivir helps some. It'd be nice if we had another uh, item or two to treat them in case they got sick, because right now we we have uh, just modest things to treat somebody. But, of course, they're going to choose young and healthy people. But, of course, not all of us are young and healthy. But it is a quicker way, and that's the reason it's being justified. Okay, so then, Dr. Zimmerman, as you talk about other countries, Great Britain with these trials, and, of course, uh, Russia has already had a vaccine available, and uh, people have been uh, having the vaccine into their bodies. Does this give you more confidence, you know, in our slower pace and in the excellence of the Center for the Center for Disease Control? Because they've taken a hit on the chin recently from a public relations perspective, haven't they? Oh, they certainly have. They've taken multiple hits out the chin, uh, and maybe a few body blows as well, to use a boxing metaphor. Uh, I think that you have to be very careful with safety. And 
I have, in fact, today I gave a, a talk just dealing with the layers of vaccine safety that are being put in to monitor for this, these upcoming vaccines. And there's the regular passive system known as VAERS. There's the vaccine data safety link, which is, uh, it looks at the medical records of a large number or, or a good number of integrated health maintenance organizations and combines those records for analyses. And then there's a new enhanced system of first um, essential worker type people that is being done to look to see um, with texting. Will I get a text uh, a day for a week after vaccination and then a text a week so that they can report back any significant issues. So there's more safety being done with this vaccine at rollout than in most of others. Um, but of course, it's a pretty high profile situation. So that's well deserved. Dr. Rick Zimmerman is with us, COVID-19 researcher collaborating with the Center for Disease Control here in Pittsburgh. Um, Rick, talk about the numbers here in Allegheny County, which unfortunately have been climbing. You've said it. Uh, so at this point, we're seeing cases rise. We're also seeing hospitalizations rise. Uh, fortunately, I haven't yet seen deaths really rise, but that usually lags uh, as it takes a while. Um, we are fortunately having better treatments, so we may not see them rise a lot, but uh, with the hospitalization and cases. So I know everybody's fatigued. Everybody's tired of wearing masks, et cetera, but this is not the time to give up on mask wearing. It's not the time to give up on um, making appropriate social distance situations, um, but it is harder now that we're getting into colder weather. Okay, so Rick, so speaking of masks, there is a, a new design, so to speak, that uh, could be a helpful uh, aid in the battle. Talk to us about that. So, yeah, there was an article I had sent you, John, that just had different um, vaccine, uh, excuse me, mask uh, designs and showing their protection. And it, a lot of the mask designs show, obviously, the N95 and the medical-grade masks work the best. But then multi-layer masks work pretty well to protect other people. Um, and so these particularly like three-layer masks, you can mix materials, and that may be one of the better ways to do it, or even three layers of cotton. If you pleat them or have them tight in some way around the nose, that matters. And that's often aided by having them tie behind the head or a mask extender behind the head. But if there's big gaps around the nose, that really lowers protection. Okay. Rick, um, you mentioned the weather, and of course, that's something that we all knew was coming. And it's something that, you know, I've just looked at with dread. You know, I remember sitting on my porch in July on a really nice evening, and we had, you know, a bunch of people at our house outside and the yard spaced out, and it was enjoyable. And I thought, okay, so what happened? Hello? 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 Uh, we somehow lost you in the mix here. Oh, no, wait. We might be back. Mike, can you hear us? Okay, we're back. I'm sorry that we had some sort of internet issue there. Um, Rick, I was just saying that I was enjoying myself so much over the summer being able to be outside with people who are, you know, safely spaced out but still being able to visit and wondering what in the world was it going to be like when January came? 
I think it's a real challenge. I think where we can, we need to get uh, good environmental controls like HEPA filters, great air circulation. They can be installed um, so that in some communal places they can circulate the air. We'll have to have good masks. And I think um, I personally am real hesitant about church potlucks and such things because you can't eat with a mask on. And I know I really want those things, but I think they're inherently high risk. And so I'm much more comfortable with us gathering uh, without the potlucks. Mm -hmm. So, Rick, talk about herd immunity. Um, People are reluctant to wear masks. A lot of people still kind of say, you know, this is just crazy. I'm not going to do anything like this, and I'm going to go out and live my life. I mean, is herd immunity a thing? I mean, is that something that we should, you know, invest in? And there's confidence that some point down the line, some people will just skip the vaccine and we'll be all good to go? Herd immunity has worked at some level for other vaccines, and it varies with what it is. And the idea... Um, And we use this back in the smallpox days. Those of us who got smallpox vaccines kind of remember those scores, um, the scars uh, of the vaccine. But you could vaccinate around, it's called ring vaccination. You can vaccinate people around a case of smallpox and their contacts, their contacts, contacts. And if you do that, you can uh, really control smallpox. And so that idea of herd immunity, of protection, um, really has data. But we don't know what the level of protection is. With measles, a very highly contagious uh, virus, much more contagious than even COVID, uh, the level is 95% population protection, which is really hard to achieve. Fortunately, we have a 95%, 94, 95% vaccine, and so we actually can get there in the case of measles. But with COVID, we don't know what we're going to get. If we're going to get a 55% vaccine or a 75% vaccine, we'd love to have a 95% vaccine. But finding 95% vaccines against respiratory virus is usually pretty hard. Okay, so what is the percentage um, safety for a flu vaccine? Well, the flu vaccine works about 50% of the time, um, and the known what the exact level is for herd immunity, I don't know that we have established that, uh, but it's probably someplace in the 70 range. And to get there, then you'd have to have a lot of people vaccinated with a 50-60% protection from the vaccine in order to get there by herd immunity. So one of the controversies that you may have seen in the press is the idea that you let enough people get sick so that um, they protect the population. Interesting idea. Sweden is trying it, but we've uh, already had over 200,000 die. Uh, My prediction is if we tried the herd immunity approach, we would have to have over 500,000 die if you work the numbers. Tom Frieden thinks another 500. He's the former CDC director. I think that's too much. I think another 300,000, that's a lot of people to lose to try herd immunity. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Dr. Rick Zimmerman. He's a researcher collaborating with the CDC, has decades plus experiences in infectious disease epidemiologist. Rick, I was talking to my niece yesterday. She's a young woman who has a wedding plan for next June and was bemoaning the fact that maybe the wedding would be canceled. I mean, uh, if you can crystal ball forward, at what point do you think, okay, um, we're good to go, come on out? 
Well, I'm hoping that next fall we'll be good to go, but I think we'll have trouble with the spring. And the reason is I think the healthcare workers will take the vaccine and there'll be enough doses. But I think as we get to the greater population, you have to have enough vaccine and you have to have people willing to take it. And there's a lot of people very hesitant when they just hear the idea of a COVID vaccine. Um, so go back to the to the flu shot for a minute. Um, so the flu shot is a different kind of vaccine than uh, measles because measles is conferring immunity for a lifetime, where flu is only conferring immunity for a season. Um, first of all, are they both correctly called vaccines, Rick? Uh, they are. Measles vaccine is a live vaccine, so you're going to induce a mild infection, and the body fights it and remembers it. It's a great vaccine. Okay. Whereas flu vaccine, most flu vaccines are protein vaccines. You're giving a protein, the body creates antibodies to it. Unfortunately, flu mutates so fast that what you put in this year's vaccine doesn't necessarily confer protection a year later because the virus mutates. Now, do you have any protection with a flu vaccine if you have had previous flu vaccines? So... If the virus does not mutate, then many people will have uh, protection for anywhere from six up to 18 months. If you're a young adolescent, you might get the 18 months. If you're a senior, more like six months. Okay. And last question for you, Rick. What about people who've already had COVID? What do we know yet about the rates of reinfection? Is that a real thing? I've seen a couple of news reports about that. I mean, how much, how much immunity is conferred after actually suffering it? Well, that's one of the things we don't fully know. There have been documented reinfections where we can look at the sequence of the virus and see it's a different virus, so that they had two different viral sequences, and we know it's two infections. The question, it seems infrequent, but that's the main research question is how frequent is it, and will that have implica- infl- uh, excuse me, implications for our vaccines? Will people who are infected need vaccines? Let's see. Well, Rick, God bless you. Thank you so much for your work. Let's get this puzzle solved. We appreciate uh, you being on the front lines, uh, making this puzzle work. All right. Thank you. Our great pleasure. Dr. Rick Zimmerman, Richard Zimmerman, a COVID-19 researcher for the Center for Disease Control, decades plus experience as a disease epidemiologist. I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HenneyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. Let's say you've decided to build a bicycle from scratch. Sounds like an impossible project for my skills, but let's say you've got the skills and you're building this bike, and I offer you an advantage, a special tool that would help you build the bike faster while saving you legitimate money. My guess is you'd say, bring it on. If you wouldn't, well, then this commercial isn't going to make much sense. My name is Ryan. I'm from United Faith Mortgage, and we believe we have an advantageous tool for you. Our mortgage team is lucky to have a direct lender advantage. Our company is set up to use its own money and make its own lending decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. And often, this advantage allows us to get your refinance or new home loan done faster and get you a better rate, which saves you monthly and lifelong money. 
Rates are historically low. Now is the time to see how our special tool might work for you. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. I'm Dr. Baker, an ER physician. If you're having leg pain, swelling, or redness, but haven't talked to your doctor yet, don't wait. This could be deep vein thrombosis, a blood clot which could travel to your lungs and lead to a pulmonary embolism, which could cause chest pain or discomfort or difficulty breathing and be deadly. Your symptoms could mean something serious, so don't wait. Talk to a doctor right away by phone, online, or in person. Brought to you by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. Are you in high school and thinking about your future or know someone who is? Consider Geneva College. Geneva is a Christian college that prepares students for meaningful service in the world. Geneva has over 145 majors and programs, 19 varsity sports, 100 study abroad programs, and lots of club activities. Geneva has scholarships and grants to make it affordable, too. Find out more yourself. You can visit Geneva in person or online. To find out more, go to geneva.edu visit. That's geneva.edu slash visit. Help at Home, formerly XL Home Care, is proud to offer benefits to heroes of home care, including hero pay and hero sign-on bonuses. Any caregiver who joins the Help at Home team is eligible for a hero pay $500 sign-on bonus, plus ongoing bonus pay. They know it's been a difficult time. Help at Home wants to make sure you get the hero pay you deserve. Give them a call today and find out more, or go to Help at HomePA.com. That's HelpAtHomePA.com. From the 1880s to the 1930s, a jeweler who lived west of Kansas City, a man by the name of Lafayette Cornwell, collected more autographs, some 400 or so signatures, than anyone of that time. And what's interesting about these autographs is that they are in a leather-bound book, and now the book is up for auction starting today. The auction is going on right now. Because the book is so rare and the autographs so unique, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of $40,000. Now, what's interesting about these autographs is that they include... Yeah, who's, like, who's, whose autographs are these? Not like, you know, Uncle Joe. No, eight presidents, several first ladies, Mark Twain, Harry Houdini, Thomas Edison, Mary Todd Lincoln, the... Um, Mary Todd Lincoln? Yep, the uh, man who built the um, Eiffel Tower. I mean, Gustav. it goes on and on and on. Yeah, Gustav, uh, Frederick Auguste Bartholdi, um, Sandra Bernhardt. the olive oil guy? Uh, no, he's not. He's the man who uh, designed and built the Eiffel Tower. No, well, I thought that was Gustav Eiffel that did the Eiffel Tower. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not the Eiffel Tower and the Statue of Liberty. Oh, got yes. it. I mean, the book is amazing uh, to think that you've got a. And the, what's really interesting about this is they're not just autographs. So he approached people, and you know, somehow he asked for more. So Mary Todd Lincoln writes, "Widow of Abraham Lincoln," like she has to spell it out. Or um, Thomas Edison. I invented the light bulb. I mean, people like talking about their achievements. Do you have any autographs, Kath? No, Is that any I, of I interest mean, to you I at all? I remember getting autographs like the last day of school in fourth grade. Oh, that yeah. was the last time I really cared about autographs. And I, I wonder if that has any resonance in a contemporary world. 
Oh, I've got a friend who is a, a theater geek. He's got one of these leather books, and he's been getting autographs since he was a kid way back in the 1960s. So people like, you know, Ethel Merman, wow. you know, you know yeah. that kind of thing, Stephen Sondheim. I just, you know, I've got a baseball. A lot of kids would just get autographs at the mm-hmm. ballpark. That's as close as I've gotten to it. But there's something about owning an autograph, especially when it has, you know, extra things around it. It's a little piece of the person. And I think that says something about the person who gets the autograph that you have to somehow find your way next to that person and then have the wherewithal to ask for something that's precious and unique. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, tune in, and on radio.com, in the car or at home too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. The Trump campaign says the president will debate Joe Biden on Thursday. That's despite some concern about a rules change in which moderators will have mute buttons to keep the candidates from interrupting one another. It's a move the president says is designed to aid Biden in the debate. The U.S. Senate wasting no time now. It's on track to confirm Judge Amy Coney Barrett to the U.S. Supreme Court by next Monday. That includes a rare weekend session. Judge Barrett's confirmation would seal a 6-3 conservative majority on the court for years to come. NATO says it plans to create a new space center to help manage satellite communications and the alliance's military operations. The move all part of NATO's effort to keep ahead in a fast-moving high-tech sector, especially against adversaries like Russia and China. At the close on Wall Street, the Dow was up 113 points, and NASDAQ up by 37. More details at srnews.com. I'm United States Surgeon General Jerome Adams, America's doctor. And all across our nation, we've taken steps together to slow the spread of coronavirus. Now we must continue to take personal responsibility to protect ourselves and our loved ones. Because even though not all of us risk a severe case of coronavirus, we all risk getting it and spreading it to others, maybe without even realizing that we're sick. So if we want to get back to school, back to work, back to worship, and back to overall health, there are things our country needs to do. We need to follow state and local guidelines, take extra precautions if at higher risk, wash our hands frequently, stay six feet from others when we can, And when we can't stay six feet from others, please, I'm begging you, wear a face covering. These small actions will make a big difference. So I'm asking you to say it with me, America. Coronavirus stops with me. You can learn more at coronavirus.gov. Produced by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services at taxpayer expense. Donald Trump never speaks softly. He speaks boldly as the voice for the voiceless, defending the unborn, the strongest pro-life president in history. He speaks forcefully, protecting the persecuted here and around the world, and for our right to freely practice our faith. He speaks unapologetically, nominating a historic number of judges who will defend our God-given constitutional rights. Joe Biden and the radical left want to continue the Obama-Biden policies that forced immoral values in our homes and schools and support abortion up until the moment of birth. They've attacked President Trump's Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, for her faith. And Biden wants to rig the Supreme Court, taking away our constitutional rights. Donald Trump speaks for us, boldly leading the way. He's never let us down and never will. I'm Donald Trump, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Donald Trump for President Inc. 
First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ and our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody in Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. Hi, this is Robert Jeffress, pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas and Bible teacher on Pathway to Victory. Let me encourage you to be in prayer about the upcoming election. Then make sure you prepare. Educate yourself on the agendas of the two parties and make sure you're registered. Finally, make your plan to vote, whether at the voting booth, by absentee, or vote by mail. Your voice is your vote. Your voice needs to be heard on November 3rd. Tonight, mainly cloudy, low 57. Warmer tomorrow with clouds and breaks of sun. A shower in places in the afternoon, high 75. Partly cloudy tomorrow night, low 57. Thursday, very warm with a mix of clouds and sunshine, high 77. Friday, partly sunny, remaining warm, high Friday, 76. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon. Greetings to you. Thanks for coming along for the Tuesday edition, the 5 o'clock hour of The Ride Home here on Word FM. Um, You know, most adults here in this country identify with a particular religious denomination or group, right? Uh, They describe themselves as perhaps Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, Jewish, Mormon, Muslim, to name just a few of the hundreds of identities or affiliations that people give in surveys. It's a good way of putting people like, you know, in a particular box. Now, there are the conventional categories into which Americans sort themselves, but there is a new Pew Research Center analysis that looks at the beliefs and the behaviors that cut across most denominations, important traits that unite the people of different faiths or that divide people who have the same religious affiliation, producing a new and really odd classification or typology of religion in America. Now, this new typology, Kath, it sorts Americans into seven groups based upon the religious and spiritual health that they share, the beliefs that they share, I should say, how actively they practice their faith, the value that they place on their religion, and uh, other sources of meaning and fulfillment in their lives. Let me quickly go through these seven categories and okay. uh, see where you are. Okay. Are, yeah, are we going to put ourselves in these categories? Well, I think it's easy to see. You'll see okay. very, very quickly right. here. Okay. So the religious typology, the highly religious, non-religious, and in between. First up at the top of the group, the Sunday stalwarts. Okay. Uh, they, of course, are the most religious group. Not only do they actively practice their faith, but they are also deeply involved in their congregations. God and country believers are the second group. They are the, um, what, I would say, the um, like the Sunday stalwarts, they hold traditional religious beliefs. 
They tilt right on social and political issues. They are the most likely of any group to see immigration as a threat. Racial and ethnic minorities make up a relatively large share of the third group called the diversely devout, who are diverse, not only demographically, in which solid majorities say they believe in God as described in the Bible, as well as in, listen to this, psychics, reincarnation, and spiritual energy located in physical things. Well, we went right to like metaphysics. Yeah, from the Sunday stalwarts to the God and country believers to the diversely devout. Okay. Okay. You'd see those probably at like, you know, the, what the, the, the new age fair, perhaps, right. Or at the tarot reading shop. Right. Okay. So then. You wouldn't call it tarot reading. You call it tarot card reading, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. You can tell it's not my thing. Uh, You'd also, now let me go to the opposite end of the spectrum. The solidly secular, the least religious of the seven groups. These are relatively affluent, highly educated adults, mostly white and male. They tend to describe themselves as neither religious nor spiritual and to reject all New Age beliefs as well as belief in the God of the Bible. Now, wait, what's the name of this group? This is the Solidly Secular. Okay. Okay. The um, religious resistors, on the other hand, largely do believe in some higher power or spiritual force, but not the God of the Bible. Okay. So is that that number six? uh, Yes, it is. Okay. And many have some new age beliefs, consider themselves spiritual or, um, but not religious. Now the middle two categories, the relaxed religious Americans say that they believe in the God of the Bible, um, four and 10 of these of the relaxed religious pray daily, but relatively few attend religious services or read scripture. And then there is the group called the spiritually awake who hold at least some new age beliefs um, and they believe in God or some high power, though many do not believe in the biblical God. And this is according to Pew, John? This is Pew. Pew has broken this down with um, talking to more than 3,000 people across mm-hmm. the country. All I mean, right. So I would imagine that you know, if you would use this, this um, level of interaction, in some ways, it's a shortcut, right? I think Pew's always kind of looking for who are the people are we talking to and what levels of belief do they hold in traditional or new age or a mixture of all those beliefs, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I'm sure people like marketers and people who are in church work or in any uh, sort of a religious affiliation work are interested in these things. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the turnout in the 2020 election will show about these seven subgroups. Yeah, remember they said do. Remember when exit polling was uh-huh. really a lightning rod in this yeah. country. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's going to change, especially in this election. But I think people will still be polling the voters and wanting to know things like this. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. So exit polling is going to be done digitally, as as opposed to someone sticking a, you know, tablet or a microphone in your face. Oh, really? Really? So you get maybe an email or a mm-hmm. text or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because people are, you know, I'm not even sure what in the world election day is going to be like at the polls. John, you and I are committed to being there in person, so it could be really exciting. Well, I'm going to go early because you don't know what to expect, right? I mean, are we going to wait in line for a long time? I don't know. There'll be, you know, anger. What if it's 30 degrees? That's Well, just, you know, 
put a hat on. Okay. Okay. All right. Let us take a break. Um, listen, people are uh, angry, scared, isolated, left behind. We're going to talk in a few minutes with Emma Green. Um, man, uh, a story to tell uh, about America and the, the American way of life. Stick around. 101.5 WORD. There are three ways of dealing with the Bible, especially when you come to a passage that you don't quite agree with or understand. The first tactic is to pick and choose what you want to believe. The second is to remain ignorant of what the Bible has to say at all. The third is to dig into the Word and try to understand all of it, whether or not you like what it has to say. Well, if you fall into that last category or would like to, please join us this week on Through the Bible Radio. This evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. Still paying outrageous premiums for your health insurance? Or maybe you settled with a ministry plan, some short-term medical or limited benefit plan that lacks the coverage you need? This is Kathy Emmons for my friends at Marley Financial. Every agency offers the same stuff, well, except for Marley. Marley Financial now offers a unique ACA clone that looks, feels, and most importantly, acts just like a Blue Cross plan. In fact, it's even better. You can go to any hospital or facility anywhere in the country. They'll actually waive your deductible for inpatient and surgery. Does your plan do that? Plus, they can customize your plan to reduce your costs for the rest of your life. Contact Marley Financial today, 724-884-1496. You don't have to wait till open enrollment. 724-884-1496 or visit MarleyFG.com. Nobody does health insurance like Marley. 724-884-1496. At Eden Christian Academy, hope is rising. Hope that is secure in God, that builds faith and inspires a love that can't be stopped. Eden is where parents find hope in a true educational partner, where students see faith woven into every subject, and where teachers model the love of Christ to every child from pre-K through 12th grade. Tour any of their three North Hills campuses during Admissions Week, October 19th through 23rd, and witness the hope, faith, and love that Eden can offer your child at EdenChristianAcademy.org. James Brown and Bill Cower welcoming you back to the Midnight Snack Run. This is one tricky obstacle course. Uh Uh-oh. He's eyeballing a jar of candy. That is tempting right off the street. But he pushes it away. He's approaching a plate of iced cookies. He blows right by him for the apple. Oh, the fridge. Looks like he's headed for the soda. Wait, he jukes left, grabs the water bottle. That's the way you execute a midnight snack run. Stand up to cancer and rally. Want you to reduce your risk for cancer. Go to takeahealthystand.org. This is Jerry Boyer. This radio station has been telling you for months that November's election could vastly change our country's future. If you believe in liberty, supported by a strong economy, and religious freedom, your values are on the line. Please register and prepare to vote at your polling place or by absentee. This election is huge. We are at a crossroads. We all should vote. And keep listening to this station for what this election means. Well, I guess there it is in a nutshell in some way, right? I mean... If you took a, a cross-section poll talking to your family and friends, I think it's fair to say that you would know that people are angry and scared, that people are isolated, that many people still feel like they're a, a round peg in a square hole, that we're isolated ever more so in the midst of this nine months of the pandemic, isolated and unmoored. So 
what is the cure for this? I mean, it's not going to come in, the, you know, a vaccine that may change the, the physical health of people, but the spiritual and psychological health of a lot of us, that may be a long way down the road. What, what is the cure for that? Well, Emma Green is with us. Emma is a staff writer at The Atlantic. She's the 2020 laureate of the George W. Hunt SJ Prize for Journalism, Arts, and Letters. She wrote a piece at The Atlantic called The American Way of Life is Unsustainable for So Many. Is it time to build radical forms of community? Emma, welcome to the show. Happy you're with us. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, Emma, first of all, I want to speak on behalf of John, and we want to thank you for your excellent religion reporting over a long period of time, especially over the last year and a half or so. I've really um, come to appreciate your viewpoint on things Mm -hmm. and the way you speak and write about it. Um, So let's talk personally about your own COVID-19 experience, because you wrote that you had a little bit of Jesuit daydreaming of your own. I have to say, I've never heard that term before. (laughs) Well, thank you for your kind words about my reporting. That's just so meaningful to me to hear. And in terms of COVID-19, you know, like so many Americans, I found myself this spring in relative lockdown, not going out, not participating in the flows of life that make so many people's lives meaningful, gathering for dinners, sharing in celebrations, getting to mourn together when it's needed. And I found myself really just daydreaming about the different forms that life could take, the way that I would live when lockdown lifted. And, you know, the term Jesuit daydreaming, that's certainly not an invention of mine. I, I'm not that creative. Um, I had a professor who who talked to me about that, um, who was saying that there's a, a deep spiritual tradition um, taught by the Jesuits who are an order of Catholic priests that basically teaches you should pay attention when you daydream because there could actually be much more insight there than you might think. Your mind can wander in ways that are really productive and help you really think about about the future and, and what you should be doing. So for me, it was sort of a guide to my reporting that my mind was wandering in this direction. Okay, so Emma, when my mind has been wandering lately, I got to be honest, I've been daydreaming, oddly enough, about a broccoli casserole. And I can't believe wow, I'm not. That is, you know what? That is so meaningful, John. Well, I, you know, I'm not a fan of potluck, <laughs> but I would give my left arm to go to a potluck right now. And I just think it says, you know, how much we miss community and yeah. church and gathering together. We're so disconnected. And boy, I just need to be with people. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I, you know, I'm a political reporter, so I spend a lot of my time on these huge abstract political questions. But when it comes down to it, my job is to report on communities. And I think that your insight is exactly right, that these daily interactions that we have around gathering for meals at people's houses, being in the back of a social hall, at a church, celebrating the the sort of monuments of life, a baby being born, someone getting engaged, someone having a graduation, you know, that's the flow of life. That's what makes a good life for so many Americans and so many American communities. And I think there's real insight there that that is an ache that a lot of people are feeling is missing that kind of everyday communal flow that brings a structure and a meaning to our lives. 
Yeah. And I can definitely see that. And um, I can think of about, you know, a hundred examples, like right off the top of my head, either that I've experienced personally or people around me have experienced during COVID-19. But your reporting, Emma, is telling us that people were feeling dislocated, so to speak, before COVID-19 ever came upon us. That's right. You know, I think COVID really brought to the fore many factors of American life, many trends in American life that were already with us, but were maybe hidden. And I think one of those is this sense of isolation and mutual distrust that really has been a powerful force in American culture and politics for a long time. This sense that a lot of people feel that they aren't connected to a robust community, that they are only able to build their identities around these big abstract national political conversations, in part because of the absence of local community as a kind of ballast. And I think COVID brought that to the fore because everybody else who maybe felt that way in in a smaller form now is feeling that really acutely because for so many of us, community just isn't accessible and isn't possible either because of our own health or because of the way that our communities are choosing not to gather. So I, I think this problem of isolation and mistrust is not a new one, but COVID has sort of invited me to think about this in new ways and to try to get creative in my reporting to figure out what bigger lessons we might be able to take from the isolation of this pandemic. Right. Okay. So then, Emma, just before the pandemic really hit, uh, I went to a reunion and I had, you know, seen people, I was with people that I hadn't seen for a couple of decades. And of course, you know, the question is, hey, what are you doing, you know, right now? You know, what's going on? You know, so I, I said, and I said this repeatedly throughout the evening, and I, you know, it was shocking. I would say, well, uh, I'm a talk show host at a Christian radio station. And it, I mean, the response is Crickets. always fascinating. At first, I was, you know, mm. kind of fearful to expose that, you know, people get mad, people laugh, people, I mean, it, they scoff. And I'm sure, you know, you share this as well. And so does Kath, your religion, you, you know, spend a lot of, a lot of your time as a religion reporter. It is so incredibly divisive. It's by saying that, you know, in some ways you have faith or you're, you know, connected with a faith community. It's almost a scarlet letter in the general populace as a whole. Yeah, you know, there's so much there, and I wish I could be a fly on the wall as you're going to that reunion or having oh other God. conversations Ooh, Emma, because <laughs> that's that's the kind of reporting that I I am most interested in. I think you're speaking to something that's really powerful, which is this sense that in American life people are more and more sorting themselves into tribes and camps where they surround themselves with people who are like them. And when they meet those who are from a different tribe or a different camp, there's a really big challenge in trying to speak the same language to understand where the other person is coming from, to identify with them or find common ground or commonality. And what's so interesting to me is reporting on this, not just with secular people, looking at Christians and, you know, thinking that they're, you know, sort of a strange creature. But within the big, big umbrella of American Christianity, there are a lot of people who look at their neighbors across the pews, metaphorically speaking, and can't see a neighbor, can't see someone who is, you know, similarly in um, arranging their life and belief. And so 
that kind of breaking, I think, is so important to understand because it helps us understand why there's so much anger and frustration in American life. This sense that you can look at your Christian neighbor and identify as a Christian, but see something radically different, believe that that person has no faith like your own, I think is is such a telling thing about where we're at in American political life and how much those big national debates have sort of seeped in to those everyday conversations and those everyday communities that we all live out. Emma Green is with us, staff writer at The Atlantic, also the 2020 laureate of the George W. Hunt SJ Prize for Journalism, Arts and Letters. I think you've hit on something that um, John and I see, you know, on a daily basis here on the show is that uh, Christians, um, and I'm going to speak specifically now about Christians, are um, are dividing themselves according to party every bit as much as someone who is unchurched or disinterested in church. And so, um, you know, the scriptural mandate that would tell us that if we follow Jesus, we look at those who also follow Jesus as brother and sister, regardless of race or ethnicity or, you know, geographical location or even, you know, time that you lived in history, that those who believe in Jesus are of the same family. Now it seems that we don't look at it that way. We say, oh, no, our actual family are people who vote the same way we do. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's just a really powerful insight. And again, there's so much evidence that the great sorting that has taken place in American life is happening around partisan lines. And what's so striking to me is that these um, beliefs that you're talking about, you know, a faith that is really literally about the reality of life and the most powerful story there could be about salvation, that is no longer necessarily the story that unites people or the sense of ultimate kinship that unites people. People are finding their ultimate sense of identity in those political parties. And so to me, one of the most important questions that I can be focused on is why it is that partisan identity has come to overtake some of these first principles that for many, many people, they would like to say are the ultimate principle in their life. Um, And I think how that gets lived out on the ground in those communities, faith communities of all kinds, the way those dividing lines show themselves, I think that's going to be a question that's with us long after COVID, long after the 2020 election. This is a long-term fracturing that we're going to have to keep following. Right. So I wonder, I mean, is it even possible, I'd say it's an impossibility that you crystal ball forward this time next year or two years down the road, who will we be as a nation? I mean, I know like as as you came and joined us, you know, uh, Emma, I talked about people who were isolated and scared and angry and all that. I mean, I know the election's two weeks away. But man, I have never seen America like this. Uh, we're on this precipice at the same time, you know, being on the air and like you as well, being people of faith, you've got to have hope, of course, that, you know, God is in control and, and we'll come through this just fine as a nation. But I believe we're going to pay a heck of a price in the next near future or perhaps even longer. So here's what I'll say, which is maybe small hope, but a little measure of hope which is as much as I find in my reporting that fracture and isolation, frustration, anger, division, tribalism are these big themes that I'm seeing over and over again in politics, but also in religious community. I also meet a lot of people who are in a mode of lament. 
that they don't want to live like this. They wish that there were space in American life for people to meet on common ground, to have civility when they have differences of opinion or belief, to live pluralistically with neighbors who have a different faith or have a different political party, but who they want to be able to be neighbors with. And so I don't think the days of American pluralism are dead and gone. I just think that we're at a moment where there's a lot of pressure points that make that really, really challenging and difficult to achieve. And so what I'm hoping in the next couple of years is to keep following these questions and also look not just for the places where things are riven and broken, but also the place where people are trying to rebuild and to build something new and different that can achieve some of that sense of neighbors across lines of difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that'll be something interesting to follow. Right. And of course that's your job. And, you know, hopefully those are the same kind of conversations that John and I are going to be having, but you know, one of the things that sticks with me is this idea of people feeling like they don't have a place to belong. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you, you write that that is, you know, in bold face right now, um, you know, people feeling like they don't have, you know, they're uh, politically exiled uh, from people that they used to have a commonality with, or they're, mm-hmm. uh, or they or you know, in, in the Southwestern Pennsylvania, Emma, as you saw in the Northeastern part of our state, we have a lot of Catholic uh, believers here who were rocked to the core by the grand jury report that came out and have mm-hmm. been questioning the institution of the Catholic church, perhaps like they had not before. And so people not, are homeless, right? So people are homeless and they're feeling like, you know, I don't know. I used to really feel like that was my community at church, or I used to feel like that party was my community or that job was my community. And so now we've seemed like we've got a lot of wandering souls. I think that's absolutely right as a description. And I hear that word homeless in terms of a sort of spiritual or political sense so often when I'm talking to people who feel like they don't recognize themselves in these big national discourses. And I also think your point about institutions is really important that in so many different ways, I think many Americans of faith and not of faith so let down by the institutions that were supposed to guide our life, that were supposed to be trustworthy. You know, in northeastern Pennsylvania, you mentioned, I did a little bit of reporting there earlier this year, and there's just been corruption scandal after corruption scandal, local political officials literally going to jail on federal corruption charges. So I think there are many aspects of life that people are feeling let down by. And for me as a reporter, the question that I have to follow that observation with is, what are people doing to build? What are people doing with all of that discontent that they feel with what's present and there now? And I always do find that there are things that rise up out of the ashes, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, I think our instinct towards communal life is really, really powerful and especially powerful in the United States. This is kind of the building block of how the country got built is these little constituent communities of people who really believed in something and wanted to build out of that. So that's what I'm looking towards. And I hope that in my reporting, I can bring back stories to people all over the country who are feeling isolated and betrayed of these little flowerings that people are creatively trying to cultivate um, to build more of that trustworthy communal life where they've been let down. That's really good. I was talking, I was saying this to my sister last night. We were just talking on the phone last night. And, and I remember years ago when I was a little kid, I said to my mom, mom, who did you vote for? 
And she said, none of your business. The world is big and beautiful. <laughs> Go outside and play. And, you know, I remember that. I remember that as plain as day because oh, I was awesome. just curious, you know, as a kid, who did she vote for? And she said, forget it. Just go outside and play. So hopefully, I mean, I'm not saying go outside and play, uh, although we certainly could use some of that during the COVID time. But, man, we put so much focus on politics today that our parents and grandparents minimized because they were too busy just doing their life. You know, I think there's a real insight there, which is. On the one hand, I do think that politics matters. I'm a political reporter, so it's kind of part and parcel of my job to believe that policy debates matter, that who we elect matters, that voting matters. And I think there is also a real abiding truth to the fact that life is not about politics. Politics can shape our lives. It can shape the landscape of what is possible for different people in all different facets of their life. But ultimately, America is not just reduced to Washington. And there is so much of American communal life that is inflected by politics, but ultimately isn't defined by it. And so I see it as my job as a religion reporter who also looks at politics to not just get caught up in these abstract political debates, yes or no, who's president, who are you going to pull the lever for in 2020, but really follow along as communities debate with themselves about who they're going to be and try to build things on a local level that ultimately can speak to so, so much more than just these sort of D versus R kinds of debates about national political life. That's good. Emma, I I liked what you said about the Jesuits, that they would say, be a man or woman for others. I mean, that's a powerful thing to be. We certainly need that today. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, and and I can take no credit for that. That is certainly um, what the Jesuits would teach. And I do think that um, in times like this, where so many people are in need and so many people are hurting, um, outward turningness, a sense of how we can be people for others, is um, something that is more powerful than ever. Well, Emma, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks an awful lot, Emma. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. Emma Green, staff writer at The Atlantic. Take a break. Come back. Let me get more ahead. Who knows what's up? Everybody, it's me, Marsha, from the Spring House. Isn't this a fabulous time of year, especially on our dairy farm in Washington County, PA? The pumpkins are turning, the corn is waving in the wind, and the hog quarters are on the pit every Sunday through the end of October. That's right. It's time for our annual 4-H hog roast. Mom bought a bunch of 4-H hogs that we will be roasting over the open pit outside all morning long. Alongside that tender, tasty, charred pork, we'll be serving pork and kraut, barbecued pork, hand-peeled mashed potatoes with pork drippings gravy, sage stuffing, baked beans, homemade applesauce, and all kinds of family recipe fall veggies and casseroles. We'll even have live music by local musicians. To keep the crowd spread out and everybody healthy this year, we have two jumbo tents set up outside too. And the pumpkin patch hay rides will run 11 to 5 all weekend. Good old-fashioned fall fun and feasting on the farm. Come join us, springhousemarket.com. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. 
and all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit windowsoruspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry from a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company, windowsruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsruspittsburgh.com. We want everybody to have a level of comfort knowing that they're in a safe environment, that they're in a caring environment, and that their health and well-being is our top priority. At Stock Family Dentistry, exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. We are constantly screening both ourselves and patients. I want my patients to know that we are there for them. When they are ready, we are here. You're going to be safe. You're going to be well cared for. On Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary prepares students for ministry in the way of Jesus with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and Doctor of Ministry degree programs and certificates. Perfect for students with full-time employment pursuing a seminary education. Learn more at pts.edu. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker too. Plus iHeart, TuneIn, and on Radio.com. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Tonight, mainly cloudy, low 57. Warmer tomorrow with clouds and breaks of sun. A shower in places in the afternoon, high 75. Partly cloudy tomorrow night, low 57. Thursday, very warm with a mix of clouds and sunshine, high 77. Friday, partly sunny, remaining warm, high Friday, 76. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. Music causes me to ask the question. What? Does this make sense? Does what make sense? Well, I'm going to ask you, John. I have a question for you, and it's related to the World Series, which begins tonight. Mm. By the way, Tyler Glasnow, starting pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays, just to make you feel a little worse about your life. Former Pittsburgh Pirate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's the question. Baseball umpires. Does that make sense? You're asking me, does it make sense? No, well, you're the only other person I do the show with. It makes a hundred percent sense. In this era of yes, you know, it does. Everything yes. we could have a machine there. Which no, no, calls balls and strikes. Who cares? There's something. Listen, you want to do that? Then go to the arcade or get yourself your say whatever. Baseball, for those who don't know, is about tradition. Mm-hmm. You need the umpire. The guys and girls in blue Mm -hmm. behind home plate on the bases to call balls and strikes fair and foul. You need umpires. Umpires make sense. All right. Wait, I think I agree with you. All right. Thank you. I was going to go the other direction, but then I thought about it and I was like, yeah, I know. Do we want to live in like the world where, you know, Alexa's calling the world series? No, of course not. Okay. Alexa, is that a Buick? All right. Does this make sense? I'm watching the TV last night, and they come on with the special collector coin. Oh, gosh. The special collector coin edition of a bird or or whatever. 
the special collector edition. Who is buying these special collector edition coins? And does that make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. No, it's a scam. It's a scam. Special collector edition of a penguin. I don't think so. I'd like the octopus edition yes. of the gold coin. No. Does that make sense? Someone in, someone's sock drawer, right? Yeah. Is that worth anything? Doesn't make any sense. WORD. Okay, everybody in the car. Where are we going, Daddy? On an adventure. Yay! Adventures in Odyssey. It's not just a kid's show. It's a show the whole family can enjoy. Listen on this station. Adventures in Odyssey, tonight at 8 on 101.5 Word FM, W-O-R-D. I did something weird the other day. I added some extra cream to my Fufu iced coffee, but I didn't have a stir stick. So without thinking, I grabbed my car key and used the key to stir in the cream, creating the perfect mix. Unfortunately, my wife was watching the whole thing with a what-is-wrong-with-you look. Hey, it's Ryan, and the reality is, I believe our Faith and Family Mortgage Team is the perfect mix as well. We're a smaller team, only a couple dozen people, and many of us are family. And that small helps us to be carefully committed and know every Word FM listener that calls. But our small team is also lucky to be connected to a bigger company that is a direct lender, meaning our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls, an advantage that often allows us to get you a better rate and save you money. We are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money you have to pay before closing. Nice. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage lender license number 22672. We know nothing shows you've had a good night's sleep quite like a serious case of good old bedhead. When you wake up and your hair is sticking up at all angles and you can't quite remember what year it is, that's how you can be sure you got the rest you really needed. The Original Mattress Factory is a proud supporter of bedheads everywhere. Share a picture of your best bedhead on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram with the hashtag OriginalBedhead for the chance to win a $1,000 gift certificate to the Original Mattress Factory. Visit OriginalMattress.com or stop by an Original Mattress Factory location for more information. Do you think all vitamin C's are the same? They're not. Ester C is a superior form of vitamin C. It's the only vitamin C with 24-hour immune support. And it lasts up to two times longer than regular vitamin C. So don't just settle for any vitamin C. Buy Ester C and support your immune health today. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Lately, we're doing a lot more at home, which means we're doing a lot less driving. With pay-per-mile car insurance from Allstate, you only pay for the miles you drive. Drive less, save 50% with Allstate. You've never been in better hands. Visit Allstate.com or call an agent for a quote today. Pricing varies based on how you buy driving behaviors and includes a daily rate. Not applicable in California. Based on annual premium paid by Allstate Standard Auto customers versus Allstate Paper Mile customers who drive an average of 4,000 miles a year. Savings vary subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and its affiliates. Copyright 2020 Allstate Insurance Company. the guest on our show is an astrophysicist, a man by the name of Hugh Ross. And Hugh Ross came to Pittsburgh, I don't know, seven, eight years or so ago. And I had the very distinct privilege of spending a lot of time with Hugh. He spoke at a a local church that we're part of. 
And as I'm with you, I had sort of trouble making conversation and I was like, uh, I couldn't sort of pick up a thread. So at one point during my, my, you know, frustration, I said to Hugh, you know, to the effect, Hugh, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I can't make sense of what's going on here. And he said to me in plain language, oh, John, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you, I'm on the autism spectrum. And I immediately just like, like a light bulb went off. I relaxed immediately and the tone and the room and our relationship forward changed. Now, you may know people who are autistic, who are on the spectrum, so to speak. And what used to be a negative in many people's lives, all of a sudden has become a positive. We've looked at people with autism in a, in a different way. And now you wonder about that, about this you know, sort of new, dare I say the word, wokeness towards people who in many days would have been considered people with disabilities. Well, what about people with Down syndrome? What about the awareness of that? And with that, with autism or Down syndrome, what is normal in the human experience? I mean, just because they look different, act different, speak different, what is normal in a person's life? Well, Amy Julia Becker is with us. Amy Julia is an award-winning writer, a speaker on faith, on family, disability, and privilege. She is the author of four books, including White Picket Fences, Turning Towards Love in a World Divided by Privilege. Amy Julia, welcome back to the show. Always a pleasure to speak with you. And it's always a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Sure, Amy Julia, and I'm sure you've asked yourself this question over and over again since your daughter Penny was born, is what's normal? Yeah, it is a big question. Uh, I mean, it seems really simple, right? But at the same time, uh, you start to ask what is normal because when your baby is born and immediately I was told she has an abnormality, so she was kind of knocked off of the um, rung of normal. And so at first that seems like a really negative thing, and it seems to be presented that way. And then over time, as we got not only to know Penny, but to know plenty of other people who would be you know, medically categorized as abnormal, we began to ask, I think, a couple questions. Like, first of all, uh, why is it desirable to be normal? Like, what was so great about that to begin with? But then second of all, do I really actually fit into the category of normal? Because there certainly are plenty of things about me that don't actually um, line up with all sorts of other people. So I think it's a, um, it's a deeper question than it might seem to be on the surface. Right. Okay. So talk about Penny then, because it's been a, obviously a long journey, whether, you know, your child is two or 22, where is uh, Penny right now in her life and her normal or not normal life? Well, you know, it's such a great question. She's 14 now, so she's actually just started ninth grade, and we are in Connecticut, and she's actually able to attend school with her peers every day right now um, with a mask on, of course. And Penny, actually, I would say, you know, it's funny. I've replaced the word normal with the word typical in a lot of my language, and I would say that Penny has a pretty typical existence for a 14-year-old. She goes to school. She is in, you know, math and language arts and social studies and physics and chorus, you know, every day. And um, she goes to ballet and she, um, you know, sets her alarm clock before she goes to bed at night and is on her phone far more than I think she should be. (laughs) Um, 
All that said, certainly there are things that are not typical about who Penny is. She's much smaller than an average child her age, and uh, she does have a speech impediment. If you haven't listened to her before, it might be hard to understand her. It's real easy for me, so it's hard for me to say. Um, And I think she's also got a really winning personality. People really enjoy being around her, uh, and she is just – a positive, kind, thoughtful person. And I do think learning, she would say this, um, comes more slowly to her than the typical kid next door. But she is someone who learns, and she's um, really conscientious about making sure she gets to places on time and does what she's supposed to do. Um, And she's also a person who has a spiritual life. She asks questions about God. She prays. She um, wants to be caring for other people, and she wants to have a relationship and an ongoing way with Jesus in her own life. So there's a lot that's pretty typical about her, and then there's also some things that aren't, uh, but to us, she's also just Penny, (laughs) so it's sometimes hard to say. Yes. So, Amy, Julia, as you, you know, exist in her life as mom, but you have a lot of other roles that you play. You know, your your wife and you're a writer and you're a thinker, all of those things. That question of normalcy um, can come in, in different directions, right? So, you know, we just have, we're talking with Emma Green from The Atlantic and she was saying how many people she's talked to over the last year who feel homeless and mm. like ideologically homeless or yeah. politically homeless or theologically homeless, right? And so that brings up the question again. So what, you know, when it comes to, to American public life, what's normal? And I think so many of us are feeling like unless we line up with every um, very firm conviction of one particular, again, political party or religious group or um, whatever, we will be kind of kicked off um, unless we line up perfectly. And many of us don't. We um, often don't fit. And in fact, I think I was talking with a scholar the other day who said that um, disability is fundamental to humanity. And I asked her a little bit about what she meant. She said, you know, we're all a little bit misfit. (laughs) We are Mm -hmm. all in some ways square pegs trying to fit into round holes. Um, And the question is, are we going to change in order to fit or is the world going to adapt in order to welcome us? And that's not the only way to see, you know, what is normal and what's not. But at the same time, I think that sense of um, sometimes disability is actually in the perception. I mean, what the story you were just uh, sharing about Hugh, right? Like that was as much, the disability in that conversation had as much to do with perception as it did with reality. And once you were able to overcome some of those barriers, it enabled a conversation and a relationship even that was different than what it would have been otherwise. And that's certainly been true for me in having Penny in my life. She has expanded my capacity not only to welcome people, but to be changed by people, to look for, really, to look for the image of God in other people and um, respond to it and to say, gosh, I am so grateful uh, to, to know you, to have you, um, okay. have you with us, <laughs> to be a part of who you are. We're talking with Amy Julia Becker. She's a writer, a speaker. Her latest book is called White Picket Fences. So speaking of normal, Amy, I know that uh, in your podcast, you recently had a conversation with uh, a young woman, Anne-Marie Carrington, Carrington and mm-hmm. uh, Kurt Neal, uh, a new movie out called Normie. Tell us about this. 
Yeah, so this is a really beautiful documentary film about this young woman, Anne-Marie Kerrigan. She's now 23 years old when the film was filmed. It was She was about 21. And in it, Kurt is the director and filmmaker. Anne-Marie is the main character. And really, she is struggling with having Down syndrome. And she talks about the normies, the people who are normal, and how much she really longs to be normal. But what's so beautiful about the film is that it's also – uh, asking the question, well, wait a second, what is normal? And Marie thinks that she is abnormal because she has Down syndrome, but there are plenty of other people who you'd look at them from the outside and you wouldn't see a genetic condition or a disability, and they're also saying, what is normal? <laughs> I don't fit. Um, and so the question is, can we find a way to belong and to be who we are created to be without having to conform to this one ideal of normal. Um, I think the movie does a beautiful job. We had the honor of being a part of it. We have a kind of a small part where we're in the film as a family. Um, but honestly, independent of that, I really love the way they address this question of what is normal. And then look at things like there's a um, scene from the total sol uh, solar eclipse that happened in Nashville and in other places across the United States a couple of years ago. And so that's an abnormal event in the sense that it doesn't happen very often, and yet it's so beautiful, right? I mean, it's, it's awesome in the sense of provoking awe and wonder. And I think it's this wonderful image for the whole film of what it means to receive this things that are unexpected that aren't what you see every day and to recognize the beauty and wonder that you can find in them. Fabulous. So is the film available for us? Is it streaming somewhere? It is, but it's actually only available until October 31st. So the way, the easiest way for listeners to find it would actually be to go to my website uh, because you can, if you click subscribe, amyjuliabecker.com, and you click subscribe, I'll send you an email and it will give you the link to a Vimeo on demand uh, where for the next 10 days you're able to um, you know, essentially rent Normie um, and watch it. And I would say it's really well worth it. And it's a great movie. I mean, our family watched it and we talked about it. And I've talked to many other adults who you know don't have any relationship to someone with a disability but who really enjoyed the questions that the film brought up that's amy julia becker her latest book white picket fences turning toward love in a world divided by privilege amy thanks for being here thanks for having me our pleasure hey yeah check out the film normie amyjuliabecker.com it's on vimeo Seasons of change and uncertainty can be difficult, even scary, but they don't have to control or define you. The counselors of the Grace Wellness Center would consider it a privilege to come alongside and help you replace the fear and frustration with freedom and peace. While office visits are still available throughout the area, Grace Wellness Center also offers online and phone appointments to make counseling convenient and available on your terms, accepting all major insurances at thegracewellnesscenter.com. Hope at Home, formerly Excel Home Care, is proud to offer benefits to heroes of home care, including Hero Pay and Hero Sign-On bonuses. Any caregiver who joins the Help at Home team is eligible for a Hero Pay $500 sign-on bonus plus ongoing bonus pay. We know it's been a difficult time. Help at Home wants to make sure you get the hero pay you deserve. Give us a call today to find out more or go to helpathomepa.com. That's helpathomepa.com. 
The radical left has a crazy scheme to pack the court by adding additional liberal judges. The Supreme Court has had nine seats for over 150 years. But Joe Biden refuses to tell the American people where he stands. Well, sir, don't the voters deserve to know? No, they don't. That's Joe Biden saying you don't deserve to know his position on court packing. Well, sir, don't the voters deserve to know? No, they don't. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are the most liberal ticket in history. Their court packing scheme would cement their radical agenda. Taxpayer-funded abortion, open borders, censorship. After 47 years in Washington, Biden is too arrogant to be honest with the American people. Well, sir, don't the voters deserve to know? No, they don't. And he's too weak to stand up to the radical left. I'm Donald Trump, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Donald J. Trump for President, Inc. This is Albert Bowler with another word about the upcoming election. There is so much at stake. We might not be able to vote as conveniently as we voted before, but that just puts on Christian citizens the responsibility to work even harder to make sure that we vote and that our vote counts. Too much is at stake to sit this election out. So, whatever it takes, go vote. Got issues with youth or high school sports? Positive Coaching Alliance can help. PCA, a national nonprofit, offers more than 1,000 free online resources for youth and high school sports coaches, parents, students, and administrators. Visit PCADevZone.org. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary prepares students for ministry in the way of Jesus with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and Doctor of Ministry degree programs and certificates. Perfect for students with full-time employment pursuing a seminary education. Learn more at pts.edu. strange day that we celebrate today. It's not really a holiday, but maybe it's like some sort of day of memoriam. It's to information overload day is what it's called, John. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so this, in- is, this is a day that companies are reminded to cut back on unnecessary emails. And so they send an email out asking to, to, to remind, remind us. To, to, right, to not do that. Okay. Right. But I have to say that I am, oh, I am struggling with this so much at this current COVID moment. I just can't keep up with all my email. Right. It's just, there's so much. And, you know, there are certain things that we have to do for our show. And so obviously those are the things that I'm going to read on a regular basis. I need to read the Bible, you know, because it's like the enduring word of God. I have text messages. There's the social media. I'm just right now. I am completely overloaded. Yeah, but okay. So, but don't you think that for most people, and, I, and I'm going to include us in this as well, everybody, 90% of the stuff that you get, you don't need that stuff. No, I know. But don't you, but you have to go through it. You have to hit delete. You have to end. You have to do something with it or it just piles up. I don't, no, I don't, I, you know me, I don't delete it. I just, I have information overload, gigantic pile of stuff, and I just keep on throwing stuff on there. I don't care. Mike, just, do, you, do you not delete stuff out of your inbox? I mean, what, is, what are you talking about? How about that? People do that. I'm like shocked that people do that. I don't, I don't delete a lot of stuff. See? What? I don't. Nope. I no, don't. you guys picked on me for my 35,000 photos yesterday. I'm going to turn the tables on you and say, what are you doing with your email inbox? 
Nothing. I, I got burned a couple of times. I mean, I needed to go back and find some. Exactly. See, and, you need to I, go back and find it. I read what I need to read. The rest of the stuff I don't bother to open. I let it go. I take no pride or no, you know, hey, look at me. I you don't start one to email. feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm drowning. Like sometimes I feel like this sense of suffocation no. when I look no. at my inbox. I'm walking through a forest of information. I choose to use it or not, and I just keep on walking. That's you guys it. seem so healthy and well. I don't know. I don't know if it's healthy or well. I just think it's, it's, I just don't have the time to do that. Just crazy stuff. Delete, delete, delete. That's all. Have a great night. John and Kathy show on the web. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.